Okay, so it's great to be together. Um, we are have been really blessed. Uh, last, actually, I said it seems like it's been a lot longer, but we've only had Cosette visiting us for like a day, and um, we've been really encouraged by her visit as Cosette Mormons. And um, we were talking last night, and, and we were talking about her. She rides basically on a um, on a, a ranch, working ranch. And this is like the real deal. This is not like a, these are not little ponies, and this is like a hardcore cattle ranch. And this is actually has a link to the the guy, the famous horse whisperer. So they they take horses basically, and and um, tough, rigorous horses that need to be broken, that need to be healed. Um, that and that's her job. Okay, now she started this with zero experience. Okay, and so you can imagine. Um, many of you guys are city people, so you probably don't know how horses horses don't come docile okay these are wild creatures okay and they need to be broken um, they're not used to having a saddle on their back and if you put a saddle on their back they buck they, they they go crazy and these are massive beasts right okay so this is her job is to get on these horses who have never been ridden okay and and teach them to be broken uh to be healed from whatever damage they've been in the past or just never been been um been broken and ridden. So um, what was really interesting was they, they start her, because she was like the new person, on the, the lowly docile horses, okay, so she could learn to ride. But then when she would master that, they would give her the harder horse. And so the harder horse was like, how in the world do I do this? Never done this before, really needing wisdom to know. And then and then she'd master that, and then, of course, what would they do? They'd give her the harder horse, right? And so this, this process of getting the harder and harder horse you know, if you've ever ridden um, or seen people ride, the great challenge, right, is being thrown off. I mean, it's the most humbling experience to be thrown by a horse. And my, my mom used to be a rider, and um, we used to have a pony, and the pony threw her once. I've never seen my mom. She's a really kind person, my mother, but I've never seen her so angry. Um, she got thrown by the horse. Very humbling experience. And, um, and that famous expression, you got to get back up on the horse, get, get back in the saddle. Okay, that's where it comes from. You get thrown off the horse, and you got to get back on up and, and get back in and show them who's boss and take control of the situation, right? But then, what she said last night, I, I, I totally make sense. I've never thought about it. There's, there's one thing more painful than being thrown off a horse. And what would that be? staying on a horse so when you stay on a horse who's bucking i mean you've probably seen a bucking bronco right and it's just they're just doing this thing and your your muscles are spasming and to stay on it's incredibly painful to stay on that horse and um she said you know the next day the first time this happened she was just she could hardly move just every every um muscle was hurting and I thought, this is really a wonderful analogy for life struggles, isn't it? <laughs> okay. You know, you know we, the, the need for more wisdom to handle the next challenge, okay? And um, I thought about this. I, I thought, you know, in life, things keep changing. So sometimes it's just very gradual. But you, you start, you know, maybe you're... you're your, your child, and then you, you grow, and every new thing, you know, you think about what it would be like when you're 10, right? And that's just so old. And then you get a little bit older, you go off to college, maybe you're single. And you're, each of these stages, you're learning brand new things, new skills, and you need new wisdom. Um, I remember having a child that was just like, 
just it totally transform your world. You think, how can it be harder than this than having a one-year-old, right? And then they become two, okay? And then it totally changes, right? <laughs> and then they get older. And then as Ava's, Ava has a friend, I can't remember who it was, but her famous line is, um, little people, little problems, big people, big problems. So as your kids get older, you have these other problems that um, maybe are more emotionally challenging and, and good. But we learn. We, have, we have need, need new skills, um, new wisdom to handle our life situations that come our way. You know, being a, being a husband, it's the same thing. We've been married for a long time. I learned a lot of things early on. But now I'm like, wow, I've, I, there's still a few things to learn <laughs> to be a great husband. And uh, wow, it's like amazing. Being a son, you know, I've got older parents. What is the wisdom God wants me to have to really be a wonderful son to my parents who are aging? Our health. You know, for a long time, our health, often for many of us, we're just like, we're just healthy. We can eat whatever we want. And you get older, your body starts breaking down. New challenges, new wisdom. How do I navigate this? And you can, you can think about your roles in your life. We all have a lot of need for wisdom. And, and some of these things are just gradual, but some are also just thrust upon us. We're not asking for these things, these challenges, these bucking broncos that we're all of a sudden find ourselves riding on. And we're either going to hold on, and it's going to be really painful, or we're going to get thrown off, and we're going to have to get back up on again. Okay? And so, we, but we need lots and lots of wisdom in these situations. So what does this have to do with a Bible lesson? Okay, so we're going to close out. We've, been, we've done two lessons on, from Sirach, the wisdom of Sirach. Okay? And I'm going to close out with this one. And in our last lessons, we talked about some very practical things in Scripture that he spoke about overcoming temptation, not having a double mind. We talked about honoring our parents, eating. We talked about that. We talked about handling money. And we talked about, he has a lot to say. It's a book of wisdom. It's like the Proverbs. We looked at a lot of these things practically. But today's lesson is going to be on a theme that's throughout this entire book. It's on wisdom, the wisdom of God. And how do we obtain it? And the cool thing about this is you can apply it to any topic, any issue. How does God want me to navigate this challenging situation? So what I want you to do is I want you to think about, pick one situation where you're like crying out for wisdom right now. Okay, and think about this situation as we go through this lesson. And I think that might be helpful. Now, some of you might be saying, maybe you didn't hear the last two lessons on this, but who in the wor- what in the world is Sirach? That's not in my Bible, okay? Sirach was um, a man he was, uh, who studied the law diligently, and his, the purpose of this book was to provide wisdom and instruction that lovers of wisdom might live a life according to the law. This was actually put together by his grandson, this book. He translated a Hebrew text that he had found, the grandson of his grandfather, who had studied the law and the prophets and had put together this, this, um, this, this, this book. And, and the Wisdom of Sirach is a book that was actually part of most people's Bibles up until about the 1880s, when the, the Protestants yanked it out. And so it was there for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. And, and so you may or may not feel like this is inspired. And in the last couple of lessons, what we did was we looked at these different passages, and then we compared to it both in the Old Testament and New Testament scriptures to make sure it fit. Okay, and I hope those last two lessons you were convinced. Okay, there's nothing we're heretical being taught. In this lesson, I, we don't have time to look at others, so I want you just to sink. We're going to sink ourselves into this book pretty much alone. And I, but I, I welcome you to test anything we say today with the rest of the scriptures, and to see if if that um, if they're true, 
and, and don't take my word for it. Now, this book is, there's, there's a theme of wisdom throughout the entire book. So we're going to bounce around a lot to a lot of different passages. In many ways, this can be very, very encouraging because what I'm going to share with you today is really the way we get wisdom. I mean, you can have it, okay? So this is like really encouraging. However, <laughs> I just read a story about an insurance guy and he was at a big company and he was by far the biggest producer. He sold way more insurance than everybody at this big national insurance company. His numbers were off the charts. And so people would come to him and say, how in the world are you doing so well? And he said, well, it's actually, it's not that complicated. And he told them what he did, A, B, C, and D. Well, it wasn't complicated. And while anyone could do it, he was so disciplined and worked so hard, no one wanted to do it. <laughs> okay? And they wanted some magic pill. They wanted some other solution. Can you give me another solution uh, to how you perform so well? And he basically just stopped telling people because no one would do what he was doing. They wanted the result, but they didn't want to put the work in to get it. So I share that to ask if we'll, if we'll be willing to embrace what it takes to get God's wisdom. Do we really want God's wisdom? And I hope you'll be encouraged and strengthened to go after it. So let's start in the wisdom of Sirach. We're going to start in chapter 1. He comes right out of the gate on this theme. Where does wisdom come from? And if you don't have this in your Bible or can't find it on your phone, just listen. We'll read it and uh, you can just take it in. All wisdom comes from the Lord and is with him forever. Who could count the sand of the seas, the drops of rain, and the days of eternity? Who can search out the height of heaven, the breadth of the earth, the abyss, and wisdom? Wisdom was created before all things, and the insight of prudence was from eternity. To whom has the root of wisdom been revealed? And who has come to know her great deeds? There is one who is wise and is feared exceedingly, he who sits upon his throne. The Lord himself created wisdom. He saw and numbered her and poured her out on all his works in the midst of all flesh according to his gift, and he provided her for those who love him. Okay, so what do we learn here? There's only one who is wise, the Lord. He is wise, and he created wisdom. It says he poured her out on all his works, all creation. It's available, and we can see the wisdom of God through the beauty of his works. And it says he gives wisdom to those who love him. Turn over to chapter 24. In verse 1. Wisdom will praise herself. In the midst of her people, she will boast. In the assembly of the Most High, she will open her mouth and boast in the presence of his host. I came forth from the mouth of the Most High and covered the earth like a mist. I pitched my tent in the high places and my throne on the pillar of cloud. I alone encircled the ring of heaven. 
and I walk in the depth of the abyss, in the waves of the sea, in all the earth, and in every people and nation, I have gained a possession. With all these, I have sought a place to rest. In what inheritance will I lodge? Then the creator of all things commanded me, and he who created me gave me a place to live. He said, Pitch your tent in Jacob and receive an inheritance in Israel before the age he created me from the beginning. And he goes on. There's this beautiful picture, um, wisdom personified. And she's been sent out throughout all the nations of the earth. And she asks, Where will I settle? Will, where will I inhabit? I want to I land somewhere. Mm-hmm. And God says, well, I'm going to start with Israel. And of course, we know that the plan was to, to allow wisdom of God to, to go to all nations. right? But God's looking for a place for his wisdom to land. Okay? Will we be that place? Right? Go over back to chapter 1. So how do we, how do we get it? we get this wisdom. In verse 9, chapter 1. The fear of the Lord is glory and boasting, and gladness and a crown of rejoicing. The fear of the Lord will cheer the heart and will give gladness, joy, and long life. Those for those who fear the Lord, it shall be dwell, it, it shall be well to the utmost. And on the day of his death he will be blessed. The beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. And she was joined with the faithful in the womb and constructed a foundation of life among men and will be trusted among her seed. The gratification of wisdom is to fear the Lord. And she, wisdom, intoxicates them with her fruits. And she will fill every house of theirs with objects of desire and their storehouses with her harvest. The fear of the Lord is the crown of wisdom, making peace and soundness of health to flourish. The Lord saw and numbered her and poured out the power of comprehension and exalted the glory of those who hold fast to her wisdom. The root of wisdom is to fear the Lord, and her branches are length of days. Sirach says that um, the fear of God brings joy and gladness. She intoxicates them with her fruits, fills their houses with objects of desire, fills their storehouses with harvest, that the fear of God brings this wisdom that makes peace and soundness of health. The fear of God and these wonderful blessings put right together. This is not an Old Testament teaching. We talk a fair amount in this church, in our church, about the fear of God because it's talked about so much in the scriptures. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. But remember, Jesus talked about the fear of God. He said, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Matthew 10. This is the same Jesus who said, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven. Okay, it's both. Okay. And in John 17, and I think of the end of his life, the intimacy we get to look at of Jesus' relationship with the Father. Um, Let me just read a couple passages. John 17, verse 22, it says, And the glory, he's in the garden, he's praying, and the glory, praying to the Father, which you gave to me, Father, I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Jesus understood the love of the Father. And he said we need to fear the Father. 
And at the end of Luke, he says, he's on the cross, he says, into your hands, I, I commit my spirit. It's just such an intimate moment. Um, the love of God and the fear of God. In Sirach, he says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the crown of wisdom. <laughs> and it's the root of wisdom. It's not the beginning place to start with, and we move on to something bigger and better. It's the root, and it's the crown. Turn over to chapter 18. In verse 26. It says, A wise man will have the fear of God in everything he does. And in those days of sin, he will guard against wrongdoing. That interesting? Let's think about that. In everything he does, the wise man fears God in all the details of his everything. Because in the days of sin, he will guard against wrongdoing. What does that I mean? To me, that says there's temptation to do wrong. And the wise man fears God in all the details of his life. I don't think we have time to go there. Oh, yes, we do. Let's do it. Let's, let's go over to chapter 47. You think about who was the wisest man in the Old Testament. I think we all know the amazing story of Solomon. Uh, who was a humble young king, and he doesn't know what to do, and he, he has this dream, and he prays to God, and God says, I'll give you whatever you want. And he doesn't ask for riches. He doesn't ask for wealth. He asks for wisdom, that he might govern God's people. And God said, good answer. <laughs> that was a really good answer. And oh, by the way, I'm going to give you that, but I'm also going to give you wealth and glory and all this other stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Okay? And, and, and Sirach, just at the end of his book here, he goes through all these, um, he calls them, it's kind of his honored men. Okay? And he goes through these different, and they all have these outstanding men. This is the one example that there's some good and there's some bad. Mm-hmm. Okay? And let's pick up in verse 12. He writes about Solomon. He says, After him, this is after David, there arose his wise son, who lodged in a broad space because of him. For Solomon reigned in days of peace, to whom God gave rest to every side, that he might establish a house for his name and prepare a sanctuary to last forever. How wise you were in your youth, and filled with understanding like a river. Your soul covered the earth, and you were filled with the parables of riddles. Your name was known to islands far away, and you were loved for your peace and for your songs, proverbs, and parables. Nations marveled at you because of your interpretations. In the name of the Lord God, who is called the God of Israel, you collected gold like tin. God told them not to do this. The kings were not to collect gold and amass them for themselves. And multiplied silver like lead. But you lay down beside women and were enslaved by your body. You brought disgrace on your honor and defiled your seed so you, as to bring up wrath upon your children. And they were pierced by your lack of good sense. Thus one kingdom became two, for out of Ephraim there became a disobedient kingdom. But the Lord did not abandon his mercy, nor corrupt any of his words. Neither did he wipe away the descendants of his chosen one, nor did he remove the seed of the one who loved him. God was merciful. But look what happened to Solomon's 
descendants. He gave a remnant to Jacob and to David a roof from his stock. When Solomon rested with his fathers, he left behind him one of his sons, lacking in good sense and understanding. Rehoboam, who turned away the people by his counsel. I mean, is this so tragic? The wisest king ever, who was a humble man, ends up dying a fool, disobeying God, directing things that God had told him, and has a foolish, senseless son who ends up dividing the kingdom. It's a tragic, terrible story. And I think Solomon lost his fear of God. Somewhere in all that wealth, in all that stuff, he just, in the day-to-day workings of his life, he lost a fear of God and obedience to God. So, I ask myself, do I have the fear of God in everything I do? When I talk to my wife, (laughs) when I walk down the street, when I open my browser, when I deal with my clients, when I plan my week, with every purchase that I make, do I have the love of God and the fear of God in my mind in all the things I do? Turn over to chapter 25. In verse 1. There are three things beautiful to see, and there are beautiful, and they are beautiful before the Lord and men, the harmony of brothers, friendship between neighbors, and a wife and husband well adjusted together. My soul hates three kinds of men, and I am very offended with their lifestyle. A beggar who is arrogant, a rich man who is a liar, and an old man who is an adulterer and lacks understanding. It says it's, it's, it's offensive to be an old man who lacks understanding. Look in verse 3. If you have gathered nothing in your youth, how can you find anything in your old age? Judgment is like a beauty in gray hair, and in elders it is to no counsel. Wisdom is like the beauty of old men, and in those who are glorious it is understanding and counsel. The crown of old men is great experience, for their boast is in the fear of the Lord. This last week I had this opportunity. Um, I'm, I'm a, an attorney, and I, I have my own law firm, and I, I do estate planning. And honestly, I've had a trouble finding, not remarkably, but other attorneys who do estate planning who love God and want to follow his commands. Okay, And I've been searching, and I finally found one. <laughs> and I had a call with him this week, and it was so awesome. And he was a, He's an older man, and he has an incredible reputation, his experience, his knowledge in, in the field of estate planning. But he's a devout believer. He loves God. Um, he's adopted five children. Um, just incredible heart. He's, he's in his 60s. And it was amazing. Here's someone who was so experienced and so good, but he was so humble. And, and we were talking about the need to bounce ideas off of challenging client situations. And he said, you know what? Why don't we just have a panel? Because we miss stuff. And we, could, we should meet every six weeks or so and talk about these situations to help each other have greater understanding. Mm-hmm. Like, the, here's the old wise guy saying, I need wisdom. Mm-hmm. And isn't that true? The wise, the old men, they, they have understanding, but they see their need for it mm-hmm. even more than, than we who are younger. 
So fear of God, it's the root, it's the crown. So we need, that's kind of the starting place, okay? But he gives us some more, some, some more stuff to work with. And this, I think, is super, was super helpful for me. And let's go over to chapter 4 in verse 11. And, and he gets into here kind of, kind of how, starts getting to how we get it, how we obtain wisdom. And, and there's a kind of a process we go through. And I think it's good to kind of give a heads up uh, on the process so we're not shocked and surprised when we all of a sudden find ourselves in the middle of it. Okay, verse 11. Wisdom exalts her children and lays hold of those who seek her. Whoever loves her loves life. And those who come to her early in the morning, get a whole lesson on this, Psalm 5, right? Will be filled with gladness. He who holds fast to her will inherit glory. And the Lord blesses every place she enters. Those who serve her will minister to the Holy One. And the Lord loves those who love her. He who obeys her will judge the nations. We had a lesson on that. (laughs) And he that gives heed to her will live with confidence. If he trusts in her, he will inherit her. And his posterity will be in possession of her. Okay, so what do we learn from here? It says, wisdom lays hold of those who seek her. That's interesting, right? You're seeking, and then all of a sudden, it just, this picture of the wisdom grabbing you. <laughs> okay? It says, if you come to wisdom in the morning, you'll be filled with gladness. We talked about this in Psalm 5. How many times in the Bible we see people coming to God in the morning uh, to seek his wisdom, to seek his face? It says, we must hold fast to her, uh, Hold on to that bunking Bracco. I think of that image, right? Hold on, don't let go, right? That's how we're doing it with wisdom. And it says, God loves those who love her. Beautiful. Okay, so, so far I'm like, this is cool. I can do this, right? This, this is attainable. Some very encouraging things here. Nothing too hard. Okay, let's read the next scripture. <laughs> okay, let's go back to 16. If he trusts in her, he will inherit her, and his posterity will be in possession of her. At first... She, wisdom, will walk with him on disturbing paths and bring fear and dread upon him. And she will torment him with her discipline until she can trust his soul and test him with her ordinances. Then she will come straight back to him and will gladden him and reveal her secrets to him. If he wanders away, she will forsake him and hand him over to his ruin. What a picture, huh? <laughs> Wisdom at first is disturbing. It brings fear and dread. I mean, I, I remember becoming a Christian. It was like, this is, some of this stuff is disturbing. This is a very different life than I've been living. Yeah. Okay? And we embrace this new life. But now we're, we're, we become Christians and we have new situations and the, the teachings of Jesus are disturbing, <laughs> okay? And um, they bring fear and dread at times. And we can be tormented. But it says here, why? It says, wisdom wants to see if she can trust our soul, if we'll pass the test. And this is a theme we also talk a lot about because it's in the Bible a lot, of the testing we go through in this world. And God lets us be tested to see what's going to come out of our heart. And here it says, if you pass the test, she's coming right back in to gladden your heart and your spirit. I kind of wish 19 wasn't in here, but it says, 
If he wanders away, she will forsake him and hand him over to his ruin. So, okay, I can think, okay, this is pretty simple. I've got two options. I can hold on <laughs> and go through this testing on this, <laughs> this crazy horse that I wasn't asking for, okay? And I'm going to get through it. I can be tested. Or I can basically abandon wisdom, say, this is too hard, and uh, that'll be my ruin. Okay, those are my two options. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay? I don't know. That's helpful to me. Let's go over to chapter 6. We'll get another image here I think is helpful. Verse 18. It says, Come to her as one who plows and sows. I'm sorry, let's go back to 18. My son, from your youth up, choose instruction, and you will find wisdom also into old age. Come to her as one who plows and sows. And wait expectantly for her good fruits. For in her work you will bear labor a little while, then you will quickly eat of her fruit. She is very harsh on the undisciplined. Now the one who lacks the heart to continue with her. She will be like a heavy stone of trial upon him, and he will not delay to throw her off. For wisdom is like her name and is not manifest to many. Okay. So the first picture here is it's like coming to wisdom, like plowing. And this never ceases to amaze me in the spring around New England. It's just, it's just dead. It's just nothing in the ground. Everything's dead and gray and there's like dirt. And we have our little garden and we plow it. <laughs> you know, we turn it up and we sow and you just never think it's going to come up. And now, like right now, it's just like a jungle. Okay, but you have to wait patiently for it. It comes in its time. And, and it will come. And now I'm like, this thing is crazy, and it's hard for me to imagine it not growing and being desolate like it is in the spring. But then you have this other picture of the undisciplined who doesn't have the heart to continue with her. Mm. And it says here, wisdom is like a heavy stone of trial that this person just wants to cast off. Those images help me. Look down in verse... 23, listen, my son, and accept my judgment, and do not reject my advice. Put your feet into her fetters and your neck into her collar. Put your shoulder under her and carry her, and do not be angry with her bonds. Come to her with all your soul and keep her ways with all your strength. Search for her and seek her out, and she will become known to you. And when you become self-controlled, do not let her go. For in the end you will find her rest, and she will turn to you in gladness. Then her fetters will be as a strong protection for you, and her collar a glorious robe. For there is a golden adornment upon her, and her bonds are a blue thread. You will wear her as a glorious robe, and put her on yourself as a crown of exceeding joy. Isn't that beautiful? So the fetters, the bondage, the um, looks like a yoke, being burdened. Don't cast it out, he's saying, right? This is going to be transformed into a beautiful robe. Protection. And um, these, these bonds will be like a blue thread, a beautiful, a beautiful thing. There's this fun expression, you know, I think it's with the internet when you're trying to load something, you're like, wait for it, <laughs> right? It's coming, like, wait for it, <laughs> and it comes, whatever you're waiting for. 
I think that's like wisdom. Just wait for it. It's going to come. Now, you might have to wait longer than you're thinking. It says, don't be angry. <laughs> don't be angry through this. Wait, wait for it. You're, God's trying to give you protection and a glorious robe, a crown of exceeding joy. I hope she doesn't mind if I share this, but um, Elizabeth just started as a nurse about a year ago, and nursing is painful when you start. You know, it's it's um, it's kind of bondage and fetters, <laughs> and there's policies and procedures and all the stuff you have to do. And we were talking about it last night or a couple nights ago, I think it was last night. And even like how you use your hands and how you do all this stuff when you start, it's just like so hard and putting in the the, the vials so you don't hurt people and the, the needle and. And, and holding everything and getting the, the, the paperwork done on time and seeing everybody and working with harassing doctors who are arrogant and prideful and all this different stuff. It's really hard. But I thought, wow, when you're trained by it and you're trained by it, it becomes natural. You start coming home on time. You have to do your paperwork after you're done. You did it during the whole thing. And now you're creating, you're bringing peace and healing to your client, to your patients. It's a beautiful thing that nurses do. Um, this tr- but it's, there's a transforming mm-hmm. in anything new and challenging that we do. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I just think of Jesus, um, you know, the suffering, submitting himself to the bondage, um, to suffering, um, going to the cross. Um, David shared an incredible mm-hmm. communion this morning about Jesus becoming man and just submitting himself to that. And yet, the glory, the beauty, the robe, the crown that was his. What a wonderful example. Okay, a few more tips on obtaining wisdom. Go over to chapter 6, verse 32. Okay, think about your issue, whatever your issue is. If you are willing, my son, you will be taught. If you apply yourself, you will be prudent. If you love to listen, you will wait with anticipation. And if you incline your ear, you will be wise. Stand in an assembly of elders. And who is wise? Attach yourself to him. Desire to listen to every divine narrative. And do not let proverbs of understanding escape you. If you see a man who has understanding, rise early in the morning. And let your foot wear out the threshold of his door. Set the mind of the ordinances of the Lord. Set your mind on the ordinances of the Lord. And practice his commandments. And he will strengthen your heart continually. And the desire for wisdom will be given to you. Okay. I mean, just pretty straightforward, right? Nothing super profound, but you have to be willing. You have to apply yourself. You need to love to listen. You should attach yourself to those who are older and wiser. You should rise early and wear out the threshold of their door. Sorry, Chuck, but there you go. Chuck's got a threshold, okay? Um, But we should attach ourselves to people who have wisdom, right? Um, We should set our mind in God's ordinances. And it says we should practice the commandments, not read the commandments. We should practice them, right? Do them. Go over to chapter 14. In verse 20. This is great. Another, another picture of, of obtaining wisdom. Blessed is the man who practices wisdom and discourse in, in, 
and discourses with insight. Speaks with insight. Whoever ponders the ways of wisdom in his heart will be also reflect on her secrets. Pursue wisdom like a tracker and lie in wait on her paths. Isn't that great? I mean, I, I was never a tracker. My, my, my twin brother actually loved to track squirrels when we were young. I didn't do much tracking. But I just love this picture, this image of, of you know, you're in the forest and you're, you're, you're looking for just you know, the moved twig or, or the footprints or something. Like, it was here. Where is it? <laughs> and you're waiting and you're trying to find it. And you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. And then you pounce upon it on the prey. There it is. It's a lot of work to be a tracker. In Matthew 7, Jesus says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and brought us a way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Suggests there is a, you have to be seeking it. You've got to find it. You've got to track it down and figure it out. And I, I wanted to just encourage us to, and this, I'll, one more passage from the New Testament, just God's heart as we're about this process, because this, this is hard. This is difficult. In James 1.5, though, it says, if, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. So I see a picture. God is not nitpicking me as I'm trying to seek this wisdom. He's not finding reproach in every little mistake I make. He's liberal. <laughs> He's on my side. He's helping me. Okay? That's the God we serve. He wants us to give us his wisdom. He wants to give it liberally without reproach. He's going to help us. There's a beautiful picture of... No, this just, we're going to do it. Sirach 39. I'm just going to read this. No commentary. This is a beautiful picture of, of, of the wise man. And just think about what this person looks like. Could be a man, it could be a woman. How different is the man who devotes himself, this is verse 1, to the study of the law of the Most High. He will seek out the wisdom of all the ancients and be occupied with their prophecies. He will preserve the discourse of notable men and the penetrates the subtleties of parables. He will seek out the hidden meanings of Proverbs and be engaged in the riddles of parables. He will serve in the midst of great men and will appear before rulers. He will travel through the land of foreign nations and test the good and evil among men. He will give his heart to rising early, see that again, before the Lord who created him, and he will make supplication to the Most High. He will open his mouth in prayer and make supplication for his sins, if the Lord wills, he will be filled with a spirit of understanding. He will pour forth words of his wisdom. And in prayer, he will give thanks to the Lord. He will be, direct his counsel and knowledge upright. And he will reflect on the hidden things. He will reveal instruction in his teaching and boast in the laws of the Lord's covenant. Many will praise his understanding. And it will never be blotted out. His memory will not disappear. And his name will be will live through all generations. Nation will proclaim his wisdom and the assembly will proclaim his praise. If he lives long, he will leave a name greater than a thousand. And if he goes to rest, his work is completed. Beautiful picture of the wise man. So what I want to do here is I want to close with looking at a few of the honored men that 
Sirach throws in the end of this book. And let's go over to chapter 44. I'm not going to look at all of them. I just want to look at a couple of them. And so it's really cool. He talks about obtaining wisdom throughout this whole book. And then he gives these pictures of wise men. So we can see. Now, he assumes you know their stories. And so if you don't know their stories, you know, come talk to someone afterwards. And we'll show you where they are in the scriptures. I should have written them down, but I didn't. But, but for those who know the stories of these men, think about, he's saying these are wise men. And he basically says, this is what they did. This is why they're wise, and this is how I bless them. Okay, he kind of, that's kind of his theme when he goes to these two. Okay, so let's start in 44 in verse 1. Let us now praise honored men and our fathers. The Lord established his great glory and majesty from the beginning through them. There were those who ruled in their kingdoms and were men renowned for their power, giving counsel through their understanding and proclaiming prophecies. They were leaders of the people by their counsels and understanding of the learning for the people, wise in their words of instruction. Okay, then down to verse 8. There were those who left behind a name that men might declare their praises. There were also those whom no one remembers, who perished as if they never existed, and they died if they had, as if they had not been born, and so had their children after them. Nevertheless, these men were men of mercy, whose righteousness lives with God. Isn't that beautiful? <laughs> so these guys were, had wisdom and understanding. Some were of renown, and some people don't even know who they were. <laughs> they died without, they were living quiet lives of wisdom. And it says they were known by God. They were men of mercy whose righteousness lives with God. God did not miss their wisdom. And he honored them, even though people missed what was going on. Okay, so let's just look at a couple of these. In verse 16, Enoch, okay, Enoch, very little talked about Enoch, right? And he just like got whisked away, didn't, didn't die. This is all he says. Enoch pleased the Lord and was translated <laughs> as an example of repentance for all generations. God didn't let him experience death. And it says here that it's because he was an example of repentance. I'm not quite sure what he repented of, but he turned away from something to God's wisdom. And God said, awesome. <laughs> and sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we're like, man, I just need to repent <laughs> of some sin. As I'm on this bunking bronco, <laughs> bucking bronco, your sin gets revealed. And I just have to repent. And God says, that's great. I love that. Noah. Noah was found perfect and was righteous in the time of wrath. Let me say it again. Noah was found perfect and was righteous in the time of wrath, in which he was rescued in exchange. Therefore, a remnant was left on the earth when the flood came. Everlasting covenants were made with him that all flesh would not be wiped away again by a, a flood. So what, what was Noah known for? He said he was righteous in the time of wrath. It was a wicked time, and he withstood that and lived a righteous life. Abraham, verse 19, Abraham was a great father of many nations, and no one is found like him in glory. He kept the law of the Most High who made a covenant with him. He established a covenant in his flesh, and he was found faithful in testing. 
Okay, we know the story of Abraham and Isaac. He passed the test. And this is, this is what he, the author is telling us, that he is wise because of this. This is what he did. The rest of it just talks about the blessings. God looked down. Man, he got through the test. I'm going to do all these amazing things through him and his seed. Moses. He brought from him, verse, chapter 45, verse 1, he brought from him a man of mercy who found favor in the eyes of all flesh, beloved by God and man. I'll just stop there. I mean, if you thought about all the words to de- describe Moses, is that what you'd pick? A man of mercy? Really? <laughs> but we were fortunate, we actually did a deep dive on Moses. Moses fasted three times for 40 days supernaturally, <laughs> for God's people. When they came and, 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 and sacrificed the golden calf, Moses goes before God and says, uh, forgive them, but if you won't, take me. Write, blot out my name from the book of life. I mean, what a heart. What a heart of love for, of, of, of disobedient, rebellious people. And God looks down and says, that's a wise man. One who is... Life is characterized by mercy. Mercy is often something we really need when we're going through times of testing. Phineas, you can read about that. That's in verse 23. His zeal, the zeal he had to deal with wickedness. You can read about that. That's what Sirach zeroes in on. He says, that's a wise man. He's zealous for the Lord. It says, he showed zeal and the fear of the Lord, and he stood fast when the people turned away. He was faithful when everyone else wasn't. And um, God was very pleased with that wisdom. And then Joshua and Caleb, um, it says about them, this is over in chapter 46, it says, they withstood the assembly to prevent the people from sinning and to stop their evil murmuring. They were, they were willing to say, they gave a good report when all the people gave a bad report. Mm-hmm to go into the, the promised land. They withstood what was going on around them. And uh, God was very pleased with their wisdom. So, to close out here, let's return to where we began. Cosette on her horse. Okay? <laughs> There's a pain of being thrown off. <laughs> and we get back up on, right? Right? There's a greater pain of staying on. <laughs> great pain. But there's a great, great result if we can. When we're trained by wisdom. You know, the horse over time is broken in a good way. It's still beautiful. It's powerful. It's wild. It's strong. It has all these characteristics. But it, it comes under control of the rider, Right? As the, wider, as the rider grows in their wisdom and their ability to manage this horse. And it's interesting, it's always the rider's fault. That was a lesson we learned. It's not the, horse, the poor horse, right? <laughs> it's the rider has to take responsibility for the situation and, and learn to master it. But as the rider grows in wisdom and skill, there's a great transformation in the horse, right? It's a beautiful thing, but it doesn't even stop there. So, what do they do with these horses? Well, Cosette has this dream, and, and there's people who do this, was they, they use these horses who are broken, they're strong, they're powerful, but you can ride them, to, to bring peace to victims of sex trafficking. 
this is a healing. People will do this with, with veterans. Get them around these beasts, these strong beasts. And it's a beautiful thing to see healing transforming. And think about that. That's the analogy. Is God is like, we're on these horses and we're just fighting it and we're angry and we just like submit ourselves though and we, we get through, we're holding on, right? And peace makes its home and comes back into us and we're transformed, right? Now we can help other people, right? It's a beautiful, beautiful thing that we can offer this hope and encouragement to help others who are broken and in need. And I think that's really God's desire with wisdom. It's not just so we can have a great life. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that we would, would know him and would be like his son and that we could help others as well in this short time we're here. So I hope this has been an encouragement. I think Sirach had a lot to say about wisdom. Count the cost, pay the price, and you will be richly rewarded. Amen.